this week and next week. We're sort of building up to Christmas. Seems appropriate because Christmas is coming, of course, so that would make some sense, I guess. Um, so we'll have a little, just a little chat about um, some of those sort of types of Christmassy stuff. I'm going to put my Bible, I think, down there for a moment. I don't know about you, um, just waiting as the, uh, the room just clears a little bit. Um, I don't know what sort of excites you about Christmas, anything? What's, what, what do you look forward to most about Christmas time? Food. Food. I'm with you, yeah. I love turkey. Anybody else like turkey? Anybody hate turkey? It's always one. Yeah, two. Two, yeah, there you go. What are you having this year? Not roast. Wow. No idea what that is, but sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Vegetarian, is it? I'm guessing. Yeah. Made from nuts. Good plan. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so everybody else having turkey? No? Yeah? Yeah, you're having turkey. Yeah, cool. Excellent. I don't know why I'm getting into that, to be honest. It's not that interesting, really, to be fair, but not to worry. So I don't know what except I mean. What I, I love just getting family around. I'm, we're heading over to, to Ireland on Boxing Day, and we'll catch up with the family over here. It would be great to be with our, our English family um, over Christmas time as well. So, that, you know, that, that's, uh, that's always, always good. Perhaps it's your Christmas jumper. Maybe the last opportunity to wear that Christmas jumper, Christmas Day. That make you feel excited? Yeah. No? Yeah, not really. Okay, sorry. Um, actually, the thing for many people is Christmas is very much about giving. It's quite a good thing to do. I can remember when I was too many years ago to remember, perhaps, but when I came back from university one year, and that particular year, my aunt and uncle and my two cousins had come over from England um, to stay with us over the Christmas period. Now, my cousins are quite a bit younger than me, so at that stage, they're about seven or eight years old. I'm sort of 19, 20-ish or so, and they're really, really excited because Santa Claus is coming, and they're getting all sort of excited during the day, so we actually, me and my sister go out to visit some friends that evening on, on Christmas Eve. We come back in late and we, we sneak into the front room where we used to get our presents left. And sure enough, there's these two piles of presents for Gemma and Faye. That's the name of my cousins. Gemma and Faye, all their presents from Santa Claus. And we come up with a fabulous idea. At least we think it's fabulous at the time. We think it's such a shame that nobody else in the house has got a present from Santa So we go to the coal room and we get little pieces of coal and we wrap them all up, about seven or eight of them. It takes us some time doing that, to be honest. We label them all up with the little labels for everybody in the house and we set them in a little row heading out from the fireplace. The next morning, we're up bright and early because, of course, well, the kids are up bright and early. So we're up down, down there and they walk into the room and they're so excited because all these presents from Santa Claus and they're tearing them apart, really enthusiastic about them. But they're just as excited about the fact that there are these other little presents left by Santa for everybody else in the house. So as we come downstairs, they hand them to us and we open them up and to their surprise, little pieces of coal and then more coal, and then more. And we explained to them, maybe we haven't been very good this year, maybe that's the reason why Santa hasn't been quite so generous as, us, as, he, has, as he is with them. We, we have a laugh about it. It's, it's all going really well until Granny comes in. Now my Granny's got, well, at that stage she had a little bit of cataract, so they rush over to her with her little gift, and they, she opens it up, she looks at it for a split second, and then she puts it into her mouth. 
before we can do anything about it. Thankfully, Granny doesn't like coal, so it comes out very quickly as well. But I have still this image in my mind of my poor Granny with coal dust all around her lips. It's good to confess our sins sometimes, I guess. I guess every family has their own way of of doing Christmas presents and and giving them out. And many people like to have a surprise for Christmas. After all, it's the thought that counts. However, if you were to talk to my granny that year, she might not have agreed with you, to be fair. But actually, I guess you, like me, from time to time have sat in those rather awkward moments when somebody gives you a present and you open it up and you have no idea what it is. Or worse still, you look at it and thinking, I can't believe they would give me something like that. And of course, you, you try to put a smile on your face and, and sort of look happy about the fact that you just and say, thank you very much for the, for the gift. Thank you for the present. But deep down, what you're really thinking is, this is going straight into the bin or I'm going to sell it on eBay or, or even worse, I'm going to wrap it up and give it to somebody else next year. Have you done that? Anybody? Yeah, just, oh, oh, there's two of us then. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's a good plan, to be fair. It, but don't, don't tell too many people about it, of course. But you see, we have the solution to the unwanted gift problem. And it's very simple. You write a list. Make it pretty detailed. It it might not be so spontaneous, it might not be so original, but you get exactly what you ask for. In fact, my brother-in-law has got it down to a fine art, because when his list comes through pre-Christmas, what he'll have on it, he'll have a list, a good description of all the things that he wants for Christmas with a little link. You just click on the web link, it goes straight to Amazon, it goes straight to wherever else you want to go, and you just enter your credit card details, present is bought. That is how to do gifts, my friends. But actually, my wife, Rachel, has taken it one step further this year because she, she arrived in this week with a gift. She says, Keith, there you go. That's an extra little gift for me. You just need to wrap it up and just give it to me on Christmas Day. Is that good? I'm thinking she could at least have got a gift wrapped. Come on. I'm not that bad, really. Actually, I probably am, to be fair. Actually, however you choose to give your gifts, whether you want to be very spontaneous and take risks, or whether you want to be a little bit more regimented, a bit like us, that's really up to you. But the truth of the matter is that giving lies at the very heart of the Christian message. Because 2,000 years ago, the greatest gift of all was given to this world. Jesus, God's gift to you. Now, there are many great passages in Scripture that just talk about how amazing Jesus is, but the one I love the best is from Philippians chapter 2, and it just gives this amazing description of Jesus, just full of contrasts and and full of surprises. Let me just read you just some of the, the words. It says, It says, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality 
with God something to be used for his own advantages. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he made himself obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and he gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of God the Father. And as Paul writes this, he expresses something of Jesus. He talks about Jesus who is God in verse 6 but also is a man in verse 8. And he talks how Jesus humbled himself. In fact, Jesus comes into this world and takes on, in many ways, the very lowest form. You know, God could have entered this world in any way he chose, yet he comes as a baby. Now, you know as well as I know that babies don't do much for themselves. In fact, they need to be fed, they need to be looked after, they need their nappies changed, they they can't go anywhere. A little baby needs absolute 100% attention from his mum and dad. And there's this stark contrast here between Jesus' divine power and just sheer helplessness. And Jesus Christ, who is equal with God, the creator of all things, who is also the God over every kingdom of this world. In fact, he is the one that the angels will just worship and adore. They just bow down in the presence of his name. In fact, we see it in the story of as the shepherds in the, uh, come to the, in, in the field and, and the angels, the host of angels come and they just declare praise and glory to God. But we also see that how even the demons will run and scream at the very sound of his name. And yet he, Jesus, left the glory of heaven and he came down to this earth to the very lowest of places. The Lord of everything became a baby. That blow your mind. He just became a little helpless baby. And it was because of love for you that he exchanged the riches of heaven For earthly poverty. There's no greater gift than this. And we see his dedication. We see his obedience. We see his humility. And it's just an act of his greatness. And actually by contrast, we look at ourselves and, and, and we, our lives are just marked by our utter weakness and our selfishness and our sinfulness and, and, and we struggle to be any of the things that, that Jesus is. In fact, from the very first man who ever lived from Adam right down to you and me today, we, we tend to want to look after ourselves. We look after number one. That's really all that's important to us. And although it was Adam and Eve who took that fruit from that first tree, who, who, who disobeyed God, who in fact chose to believe the lie of Satan rather than the truth of God because they wanted power. In fact, they, they wanted to be like God. But are we any different, really? Many of us just want to be 
our own little gods in our own little worlds and we just want to look after ourselves. And Jesus Christ does the complete opposite. And the one who is God, in fact, becomes a baby and as he grows to be a man, verse seven, Paul says that he emptied himself. He literally pours himself out in obedience to God. In fact, he makes himself nothing. He takes on the form of a slave. He identifies with a slave. And there's no greater expression of love. We see love come down at Christmas in God sending his son, but we see love as Jesus walks towards the cross, a cross that was talked about, as prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 53. He said he poured out his soul to death and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sins of many and made intercession for them. And the truth is that Jesus Christ, he suffered more than anyone will ever suffer He endured the most cruelest of deaths. He was beaten. He was mocked. And he was ultimately nailed to a wooden cross. And there he was left to hang and to bleed and to die. But if his physical suffering was not enough, then there was his spiritual suffering. Because on that cross was placed on Jesus the sin of this world. And Jesus suffered and died for your sin. That's how much he loved you. In many ways, it's a divine scandal that the creator of everything should be put to death at the hands of those he created. But of course, the story doesn't end there. And listen, the significance of Jesus' birth and his death are really important. But without the resurrection... None of these other things would be that significant because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And Paul tells us that he rose and is alive today. In fact, he dealt a death blow to Satan and to sin and to death itself. And then one day it will reach this magnificent climax when Jesus Christ will come back in all his glory and all his power. In verses 9 to 11, Paul tells us that God exalted Jesus to the highest of places. And he gave him a name, a name that is reserved for God alone. He called him Lord. In Roman times, the word Lord was reserved for Caesar. And of course, it's no accident that Paul is writing to a group of Christians in Philippi who are under a great deal of persecution at the hands, at the hands of Roman opposition. And Paul wants them to hear, as he wants you to hear, that there is only one Lord, and his name is not Caesar, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is the center of everything, past and present and future. And guys, whatever your circumstances this Christmas, whatever difficulties you are going through, you need to know and understand that Jesus Christ is sovereign and Lord over all of them. 
whether it be health issues you struggle with, whether it be financial issues, maybe things are just going okay and, and actually going pretty well for you, but you need to know that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is sovereign over everything. He's Lord over all heavenly beings, over the angels, over the demons. He's, lo- he's Lord over everything that's alive today. He's over everything that has already died. He, in fact, there is nothing and there is no one that is beyond God's sovereign authority. That's our God. That's our Jesus. And this Christmas, I want you to lift your eyes to see the baby in the manger who is Lord over all. You know, many people will come to Christmas time probably many kids, and they will look towards Santa Claus. But you know what Santa Claus says to people? He says, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Sing with me. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out if you're naughty or nice. Why? Because Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Do you know what God says to his children? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you because my power, not your power, my power, God's power, is made perfect in your weakness. And if you are a child of God, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, in fact, God says, over your life, he says, you are free forever from condemnation. He says, you are assured that all things work together for good. You are free from any condemning charges against you. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. You can be confident that the work God has begun in you will be perfected. You are a citizen of heaven. You are hidden in you are hidden with Christ in God. You have, been, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. You can find grace and mercy in your time of need. You are born of God, and the evil one cannot touch you. Jesus is the greatest gift that you will ever receive. But like any gift, you've got to take it and you've got to open it. And you have two choices. You either receive Jesus or you refuse him. And the gift of Jesus is undeserved. It's unlimited. It's unspeakable. But guys, don't leave it unopened. Turn to him. 
and come to him. And as his child, if you already know him, I want you to know that you're not living in condemnation, you're not living in, with guilt because the work of Jesus on the cross because of the resurrection is enough. His grace is enough. We've sang it already and we declare it again. His grace is enough. Let's pray.